Welcome to BitCast on Podcast One, the video game podcast with the Axeman. Yeah, I was I was just kind of waiting for you to have some kind of sassy opening. I wasn't... What? Since when have I been described as sassy at any point that you've known me? So anyway, this is the BitCast. I've got Anthony with me again. Hello. And in the spirit of the season... I don't really feel like doing a bunch of Halloween-y episodes in a row. It gets really... Like, it, two years ago, I kind of ran through most of the basic ones I could do. And then last year, I resorted to reading creepypastas, which was fun, but not really reliable. So, I'm, combined with just the break I've been taking from the show, I just kind of want to have a token Halloween-y episode and just kind of get back into the groove of doing things. I need to... Get back on that saddle. I can imagine that the process of vetting creepypastas would be pretty exhausting. Especially because they have to be video game related. Otherwise, what's the point on this video game podcast? It's a really niche subject within a niche part of the internet. Creepypasta about video games. There are plenty of bad creepypastas we could read, but they just wouldn't be video game-ish. Oh, we've already read them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there's, I think, one really notable one that's, like, based off a Godzilla game or something. What? I, I don't remember. Called? I don't remember. In fact, I don't even remember if it was good or bad. Oh. <laughs> there is an infamous Mario one called I Hate You. We just accidentally trick ourselves into reading it a great creepypasta. <laughs> <laughs> we actually get scared. I know that there's, there's some Pokemon ones, but they never really... St- they they, they kind of struck me as more like like intrigue than scary, like more of a mystery kind of. And I know there's one about the Yellow Devil from Mega Man, but neither of us really care about Mega Man that much. Yeah, we were straight Nintendo boys. And honestly, most of the creepy pastas I've come across were just ones that I heard Retsupre talk about, and I didn't want to just keep stealing from them. I, when did you first come across that creator? Because it just dawned on me what it's trying to say. Oh, Retsupre. Uh, Henry introduced me to them back in the first year of college. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can't believe I never figured that out. <laughs> That's a English version of Let's Play? Yes. <laughs> That's it. Yep. <laughs> they've, they've been inactive for years now. It'll, it only took you until now. My goodness. So, anyway, we're going to do another free talk. uh, A frightening free talk where we go over the different things that scared us in video games throughout our life. Can I go first and totally cripple your conversation? Sure, go for it. The Endless Staircase in Super Mario 64. that That one got me as a kid. It really freaked us out because the music, it was just impending. I imagine if we had played Sonic, we would have had the same reaction to him drowning. That's interesting because the first true Sonic game I played was Colors when I was a senior in high school. And it had the drowning music. And that bugged me more for like, oh no, I'm gonna die more than anything else. How old were you? I was 17. So Well, yeah, that explains it. Things creep me out as an adult. But you're more impressionable as a child, like slowly rising off-key music. Oh yeah, that's true. Even even now, that music is a little uncomfortable. It's to the point where I noticed the two times I played Mario 3D All-Stars, the menu music at the beginning is randomized from the different three games... First I got Toy Time Galaxy, then I got Noki Bay. I'm waiting to start up the game and get the Endless Staircase theme. Just instantly shut it off, throw your Switch against a wall. Out of this house! Uh, I remember another thing that really creeped us out was the boss battle in Yoshi's Island. Which one? The first one, on the SNES. Birth the Bashful? No, the the final boss fight with... Oh, oh, that first one. Yeah. Like when he's slowly uh, approaching the screen, slowly encompassing... That was everything. a little stressful. I don't know if it was scary, for me at least. I remember both of us, we were watching Dad play it, and we covered our heads with a blanket. Well, 
I, I just have a bad habit where I can't really watch stressful things. Oh, I totally understand. And it's very Greek that we don't consider some things entertainment, like murder or violence, stuff like that. In Greek theater, they would have uh, deaths happen off stage because they didn't consider that entertainment. Hmm. There you go. There's your theater fact of the day. Who better to explain it than, than, Mc... than the son of a theater educator? You know, most McDonald's managers they just give you they just give you a funny look. This one gives you theater trivia, unwanted advice. But yes, I'm a McManager now. A, t- a term so lovingly created by you. I, I know all of you listening are really, really interested in a running update of my brother's job status. <laughs> I don't think you even want to hear the creepy stuff that we're trying to talk about. And now we're derailing that to tell you about his job. <laughs> uh, but when have you been creeped out slash scared in a video game? Okay, well, uh, to stick with one of the earlier ones, uh, the sniper in Donkey Kong. Oh, in the, yeah, the trials that they each have to go through to get a banana. Yeah, in Angry Aztec, Donkey Kong 64, there's this temple that actually has unique lighting and unique background music compared to everywhere else in the level, and... You send the Kongs in, trying to be stealthy, you gotta, uh, at the end of, like, this labyrinth, there's a barrel for a minigame. You beat it, and then when you get out... GET OUT! And a sniper reticle appears on screen... Your camera's different, you're just kind of like trying to escape as fast as you can. Mega stress, bruh. Yeah, and then they brought him back in later levels, though... Less memorable. Yeah, it wasn't really as memorable, not even as frightening, really, for some reason. It was. But our dad would, like, wait right outside the door, because there's a countdown until, presumably, you get shot. You get murked. (laughs) And uh, our dad would stand right outside the exit and, like, let the timer run down and just, like, give a good stretch. Like, oh, I love playing games with you guys. Isn't this fun? And just it's counting down. We're like, Dad, no, come on, gotta get out. You're gonna get shot. And he'd pick it up at, like, three and be like, okay. And he'd be like, which one moves again? (laughs) He'd just barely get out. It was... So much stress, and it's why I have trust issues these days. (laughs) Be honest, though. You would do the same thing. Oh, absolutely. In a heartbeat. (laughs) We wonder why we're the way we are. Raised by the best. Uh, Let's see. Another thing is uh, Legend of Zelda... There are, there are a lot of different things you could be creeped out by in The Legend of Zelda. Like, as a franchise or the first game? Because I've not played the first game. I'm talking about the franchise. Okay. We kind of started... Well, I, th- I think technically I started with a Link to the Past, but Ocarina of Time was the one that made the impression on us. My actual first game. Basically anything to do with the Shadow Temple. Anything in there oh, is creepy. the bottom of the well? Yeah. That was Nightmare Fuel. The Redeads have kept me from playing Zelda games for most of my childhood. The Redeads. We hated the Redeads. And then Wind Waker came out and we were like, what is this cartoon? Oh, they were even worse in there. But they weren't, like, human-y. They were green. They were not in Uncanny Valley. You could... Oh, they were definitely uncanny. They looked, like, very... They had the stylized Wind Waker proportions. They had those but, glowing eyes, those elephant shrieks. But after seeing what a quote-unquote Hylian human, I mean, looks like in Wind Waker, I feel like the proportions didn't match. Like, I'm looking at Link this whole time. I'm expecting something to look vaguely like that. You know how they have all got those long bodies and those tiny, like, circle heads on Windfall Island. The the Redeads, it just looks like an upside-down raindrop is its head, and then it's got a noodle. As a body. Yeah, weird big head, like, oh. Yeah, it didn't make it look human, so it wasn't creepy in that regard. It was green, so it wasn't creepy in oh. that regard. It's usually dark, though, so... It kind of looks silly, honestly. Like, I... That took away all the fear that Ocarina Redeads gave me. Uh, for me, it was Twilight Princess, though, I think. 
because they gave them swords. It's like, what are you doing? That was cool. (laughs) Yeah, it's cool, but it's not creepy anymore. Oh, no, it's not creepy, but it's so much cooler. And they weren't really Redeads. They were just Gibdos. Yeah, I read that Redead Knight was kind of a mistranslation or something. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, But uh, when after that did... Were there Redeads in Skyward Sword? Uh, no, there were just the zombie Bokoblins. Oh, those are not, not the same. Oh, they, they, there was a cool scene with them, but otherwise... So that would mean that the last time Redeads appeared in a Zelda game was... Triforce twice. Heroes. Do we want to count Triforce Heroes? I feel like it's a separate party game. It's considered to be part of the series it's can't is it canon though like is there a it, worthwhile plot or is it just milk toast oh save zelda zelda's not even in that game you never played it i never played triforce heroes i've I, heard precious little about it i know you can be a hot cheerleader in it though i you can be link dressed as a cheerleader that's what i said a hot cheerleader toon link <laughs> a little boy you gonna you gonna pick from the kids menu here now? Okay, let's get <laughs> off this chart here real quick. Okay, let's go to another thing that bogged you: the big kraken in Wind Waker. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, uh, the first time I came across a big octo in Wind Waker, I shut off the game in fear. I cried under my bed, and then I didn't play it again for how long? Like a few months. I don't remember specifically, but. But, like, I poured over the strategy guide trying to find, like, what it said about Big Octos. And it said, okay, just do this and this and this. You could either use bombs or the boomerang, right? I believe so. And the first time I tried to, to do it, I used the bombs and I was like, this is slow. I'm not hitting anything. And then I tried to use the boomerang and it started to work and I got really close and I died. But, <laughs> but then I tried again using the boomerang from the beginning and I beat it. And I was like, oh, that was so fun. I'm going to go destroy everything. <laughs> I remember that even though I wasn't the one crying and freaking out, I was still a little unnerved to see just a giant random kraken in the middle of nowhere to the point where I was a little avoidant of the Octos myself. That was a moment for sure. Character building. It's kind of interesting that you can encounter big octos before you even have anything that can help you deal with them. Yeah. Because there's one between Windfall and Dragon Roost Island. You have to go out of your way to encounter it, but you can. Well, the way I explored the ocean in Origami King tells me that if I played Wind Waker as a brand new game now, I most definitely would have run into it. That's kind of anticlimactic though is once the big octo does get you you just lose like a heart or something yeah it's not even that big of a deal well, that was a lot of pomp and circumstance for something that maybe a team of mini blends could do oh absolutely they could do more than that much quicker but it's all about that uh the setting the lighting the music the circumstances which you find out aren't that much <laughs> Well, speaking of atmosphere in Zelda games, one thing that haunts me to this day is the last stretch of time before the end of the world in Majora's Mask. The hour countdown? Or the six-hour countdown, rather? Yeah, the very final bit of the third night. I still get a strong sense of anxiety from it because it feels much shorter than it actually is. I just... It's that music, though. Yeah, the... Oh, you're gonna die. <laughs> that kind of stuff. I w- I'd be a little less scared if it sounded like that. But... <laughs> Need someone to make Just... a remix. <laughs> I think there's someone on our porch right now. Hopefully someone we know about. Oh, that would be a huge plus. Yeah, that... That music is just, like, very haunting and somber, and the fact that it plays everywhere except the dungeons, uninterrupted. What about, uh, Kamaro? Oh, yeah, that that guy creeped me out, too, especially because the very first time we saw him in the game was when our dad was playing it. He saw him on the third midnight, when the creepy music started playing. Oh. <laughs> and it, I, I, yeah, I was wondering how those two were linked in my head, and I guess that was it. Yeah. 
Um, like even a f- I think it was like five years ago now, when I played the 3DS version of Majora's Mask, I would like very very scarcely let the night of the third day progress too far unless I was doing a side quest that required it. And they even made it worse because the sky now turns blood red at night that night. Uh, I play it a lot more conservatively than I used to. If it gets to the third day period, I will reset and start again. (laughs) Uh Uh-uh. The third day does make me a little anxious, but it's it's usually the third night where I'm like, hmm, okay, what else am I doing here? Okay, let's get this done. Uh, I don't think we've ever played any, like, pointedly horror games. Yeah, we never really touched those. It's more about things that are horrifying in other games. Like, unintentionally. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything in the Banjo games that... Because those are like a gold mine. Have you seen those shorts? Horrifying. Oh yeah, Cheeto. Cheeto. Yeah, you got kind of freaked out by Cheeto, didn't you? Yeah, that was that was more of a me thing. I didn't like Cheeto's theme music. It's so mysterious and floaty. And vaguely menacing. Vaguely. No, I wouldn't say vaguely. It's a little more. That's pretty generous. In which direction? It was more menacing. Yeah, I didn't like Cheeto's theme music at all. It's just, I I felt unsafe. I could see that for sure. A a big thing with me, a big recurring pattern with what creeps me out is when it's music related. Yeah, you've always been super into video game music, so I would imagine that you would pay more attention to it when it comes up organically. Except for Breath of the Wild. You just gave up on that game. I I played it again. No, this with the year. music. I, I I listened to more of the music as I played it this time. I heard like Terry Towns theme, the Korok Forest, the Tower theme, like how it gets weirdly digital and distorted after a while. Did you buy the DLC? No, I just listened to the monk theme, the monk fight theme on monk Shuffle. Monk Koshia, because I recommended it to you on our first. The first time I was on your podcast? Well, if, if I play Breath of the Wild again, I will consider the DLC, especially because now I know about the mask and the phantom armor. Oh, it makes subsequent playthroughs a lot easier. Yeah, I didn't really know about that because I still wasn't sure if I was going to like the game when I gave it a second chance. I didn't want to do the DLC and end up not liking the main game even. So Right. But uh, another instance that's probably more of a me thing again, is the Thousand Year Door. I never really liked staying around that room too long when I played oh, the like game. the door itself? Well... It's because all the music just stops in that room. No, 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 the music doesn't stop. It's got the, this weird, ominous, oh, reverent theme. I think I'm talking about after the door opens. Yeah, and then, if you stay in there too long, though, then the, the creepy music comes back. I just never liked hanging around the room with the door for longer than I should. It's also why I didn't like going into the pit of a hundred trials too much because I knew you have to the... get, walk through that room. Yeah, it's like only do it, only go to the pit if I have to show the next location on the map. I don't want any extra trips to the door. And then if you have to go to the pit, you got to come back yeah, through what, the door. That's what I'm saying. Oh yeah. Like, even anything on the other side of the door, even though it's like canonically an ancient tomb filled with horrible monsters they don't really bother me so much it's just that one room right before them yeah also how did gloomtail survive down there magic oh okay oh dragons are kind of known for playing by their own rules that whatever the story needs them to do yeah oh i don't know is there something that comes to mind for you uh, I mean, there's that cutscene in Twilight Princess. Oh, the the one that explains where the Twily people came from? Yeah, just seeing the eyeless Link and then evil Elia, those are kind of jarring. Yeah, that was... I actually skipped that cutscene on purpose when I played the game a few years ago. Too much to go with, go through. 
it does mean that I kind of lose a bit of the lore because I don't remember much of that. But uh, it's a Zelda game. You rescue Zelda. Eventually. I mean, in Twilight Princess, you rescue Zelda by proxy, but... More or less, yeah. But you're still rescuing Zelda. Uh, unrelated to the topic, but the subspace emissary, I realize, has been getting a lot of love, and I don't get it. I liked it. It's it's not the greatest thing that ever graced the series, but I mean, consider but a the... lot of people think it is. Well, some of it might be disappointment from World of Light. Yeah. Maybe it's because it felt like you were actually playing as that character. Yeah, you get the novelty of seeing the characters interact every so often. And... The pre-rendered cutscenes were gold. Yeah, but it's it's actually good that you bring me to Subspace Emissary, because that reminds me of the next thing that kind of creeped me out growing up. What's that? Is those checkpoint rooms. They have the, like, again, creepy music. This is ominous, vague like whispering in the wind that that kind of sounds like the brawl main theme and uh i i can pull it up on the phone later if you want but it it just it it sounds very eerie like you don't want to save too long speaking of smash games uh well, hold on it, it i i want i want to go into even more detail because it looks like really calm like, it's just, like, a nice countryside. But then there's a giant literal paper tear in the sky that shows, like, weird distortion on the other side. Creepy. And, well, at first I thought this was part of the distortion, the weird Smash Brothers symbol floating there, but that was actually just part of the foreground that you interact with instead. And the music also plays in the room right outside Taboo's boss fight. Oh. So... You always have to hear that music at least some of the time. Yeah. Every time you want to go fight Taboo. It forces you. Yeah, just, just a lot of music. So, what are you trying to say? I was going to mention the uh, all-star mode in Melee. Yeah, that also was vaguely uncomfortable. Yeah, that's the best way to describe it. Vaguely uncomfortable. I think if I listen to the song out of context, it's fine. In fact, it's it's actually the main menu, the save file menu theme of Kirby Superstar, and it's the restroom... Ugh, that's not a good word to use. <laughs> it's the safe room theme in the Great Cave Offensive in Kirby Superstar. And it's just relaxing, but I don't know, I guess it's just... I guess the thing is, in it's associated with that green field of nothingness in melee and the fact that we'd played melee for so long without getting all the characters that it was still kind of alien to us that whole mode with all-star and mr game and watch 2 was still pretty alien to us mm -hmm. so just this unfamiliarity with it plus only three chances to heal but who needs them if you're a pro oh, gamer, gamer, gamer like, like me, me. <laughs> eh? How about Pikmin 2? Just 2? Well, specifically... Well, because that's the one we play, I played a lot. Oh, were you talking about the Water Wraith? Uh, no, the Water... I was too old to be scared by the Water Wraith by the time we got to it. Well, uh... I mean, I didn't want to run into it, I'll grant you, but... Uh, when I first started playing, the end of day always freaked me out. Oh, yeah. Well, th that's a thing in all the games, really. Yeah, but... I was, a uh, Small boy. Hmm. And my creatures died. Yeah. It's all your fault. It's all my fault. There is actually a very creepy Pikmin music I'm aware of. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's the final trial in the first game. Oh, yeah, that one's pretty impending. Yeah, it just sounds so deceptively happy when it's really not. It's a cool puzzle, though, to watch it be done like... To watch speedrunners do it, it's pretty cool. Oh, I'm talking about the music. I know, but I'm talking about the level oh. that the music plays in. What really adds to it, though, is the fact that there's just one enemy. There's one enemy in that entire stage. It's the final boss, and he's just waiting for you. Just waiting for you to reach him. He's really only a threat in the first game. Yeah, but 
still, it really does a solid job of building up to him. Just this, like, what is this place? What's here? What's waiting to get me? And then, boom, 90% of your Pikmin are dead. Yeah. Why do you only brought 10 Pikmin over here? I don't know, but go, <laughs> go get some more. The only the only reprieve from that creepy music is the boss theme itself, which is really... Creepy. It's, it's less creepy, but it's really ominous. But then you're kind of more stressed out about the boss, so when you go over to catch your breath out of the boss's range, then you get the creepy music back. It's just like, uh. Uh, Pikmin 3, that giant bug. Or crap, or whatever it was. It was like an entire island of a boss. Oh, the quaggled Myerclops? Yeah. Did that creep you out? I mean, I kind of felt hopeless going up against it because it was just, screw this big, you know? Imagining the Attack on Titan theme now. The Plasm Wraith was kind of creepy, the way it was so protective and possessive of Olimar. That one gave me, like, crazy girlfriend vibes more than anything. And I still don't completely understand why it was so into Olimar. He's got that dad bod. He got that boom boom pow. What is this, 2008? You're so 2000 late. (laughs) This is 3008. Can you believe this guy, Chicken's trying to jack in my style? So what else is... (laughs) Did, Did anything about Luigi's Mansion creep you out? Um... There had to be a point where it did a little, but once I beat it, or at least saw Dad beat it, did he ever beat it? I don't remember. One of you did. But it got a lot less scary. Uh, I know one of my accomplishments was beating the entire game in a day. I did that once, too. I didn't know speedruns were a thing, though. I, I think the best I ever did on Paper Mario 2 was getting to Chapter 6. Oh, yeah. See, I, I don't... Like, I can appreciate speedruns, but I, I like to savor my time with a game a bit more. I feel like I need to absorb every piece immediately. Kelsey hates to watch TV with me because I just want to power through one show until it's done. And I don't want to savor it and wonder what happens next time. That's how we powered through Legend of Korra in like a week and a half. Oh yeah, you didn't really watch it past the first season with me, did you? I forced her to watch Avatar The Last Airbender. Good. And then I Good forced husband. her to watch The... I'm not a husband. <laughs> then uh, we just finished Korra last night. Okay. A lot less impressive than the first show. There wasn't an overarching narrative. Rather, for specific arcs. Well, to be fair, that's because some seasons weren't really... They didn't know they were going to get those extra seasons, and... If you compare anything to Avatar, then... Oh, yeah, you're gonna come up shorthanded. I've got a Luigi's Mansion thing, though, to What's get that? back. It's this... In the fourth area, one of the portrait ghosts is this little girl in the upside-down room. Sue P. And her backstory is that she died in her sleep. Oof. And that, that just, like, terrified me, because I had no idea how that happened. She was just supposed to take a nap, and suddenly she's dead. The description in the Prima Games official strategy guide didn't help it as well. That's that's where I got it. Yeah. I, I think that's also possibly in the Game Boy Horror description of her or something. Yeah, gotta be. And it just made me think for years that you could just randomly die in your sleep. And you can, but you're not scared of it anymore. <laughs> Until now. Well, it's, you gotta figure, like, if if I've gone this long without it happening... What are the chances? Is it really worth worrying about it every night? I mean, it hasn't happened yet. Well, true, it only takes one. Yeah. <laughs> what doesn't help, though this is something I only learned in hindsight after I'd stopped being creeped out, is that she is the most out-of-the-way ghost in the whole game. Isn't she optional? Yeah, she is. She's one of the few optional ghosts, but she's one of the harder ones to reach because her room is blocked off by a room... Okay, you have to go to the roof of the mansion, go into one of the chimneys to get into a sealed-up room 
that otherwise can't be accessed whatsoever. And in that room, you get a key to a guest couch room. And then once you beat that room, you can go to the girl's room. I thought her room was boarded up. No, the the one that you get to the chimney was boarded up. Oh. And it just had treasure boxes inside. That's quite a quite an obstacle course. Yeah. The later Luigi's Mansion games toned down the spookiness in favor of more cartoony designs. And to be honest, the first one isn't really that scary. It's more just we weren't used to it as a kid because... That was a... I think that might actually be our first horror-oriented game. And and it's horror light. Yeah, it's PG. Not not even PG. R. <laughs> <laughs> NC-17. Luigi's Mansion. It gives a whole new meaning to... Actually, no, let's not go there. Luigi's Playboy Mansion. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a scene from Ghostbusters now that I'm sure we're both thinking of oh my that we're not going to describe in detail. But the later Luigi's Mansion games toned it down a lot in favor of being more just stylized than anything else. But they had their creepy moments. There there was at least a jump scare in the second one that got me the first time. Yeah, they like to do that more often. I mean, you saw the jump scare in Origami King. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. The, with the toads? Yeah. It, exactly. Yeah, that was like, Ugh! Like, oh, hi, guys, what's up? So, Nintendo's not too shy to scare us, but they will. And they'll do it hard. Live in fear of Nintendo. Remember the piano? The piano. Hated the piano. Yeah. The piano is freaky. And a lot of people agree with this. Oh, yeah. I think... There's a there's a similar enemy in one of the Kirby games, and I think Kirby actually gets to either defeat it or defeat a thing that was controlling it, and that was very cathartic. I was about to say it sounds cathartic. Yeah. Big Boo's Hunt was pretty creepy as a kid. A lot of people don't like the merry-go-round room, but I liked it because it was the only time it wasn't playing the ooh, yeah, the music for the overall level, it's got something left to be desired. Well, it's just more... Well, I mean, I'm saying that it was creepy. And fun fact, it's the only main level in 64 that has music all to itself. All the other ones share and reuse. Yeah. You know, I never thought about that. I think the... Are you sure it's nowhere else in the game? Yeah, it doesn't play in any of the other levels. What a waste of storage space. Why not put Luigi in the game? Nintendo. <sighs> you know, after we did our episode about the Mario 64 iceberg, like, a day later... The 3D All-Stars? No, no, no. Uh, 3D All-Stars was like a couple weeks ago. The iceberg episode was on my birthday, at least that was when we recorded it. Really? Yeah, and then... You gave me Paper Mario, we recorded the Iceberg episode, and then a day later, or maybe even hours later, I don't remember, oh, yeah. they found the data mine of Luigi in the game. Was L crazy. was real. L was real. And it was like 24 years and a month after the game, 2401. 2401. That's some strange cosmic coincidence. Anything else that creeped you out in games that you can think of? Uh, there was one, but I think it was like in Chrono Cross. Oh, Chrono Cross, do tell. Uh, Fate. Oh, yeah, Fate. The Well, a Chrono Cross is a little hard to describe for people who don't already know the game, and it's also a, for people who do know the game. It's a JRPG. Yeah, but Fate itself is a late-game boss... This giant top half of a monstrous humanoid thing. Like a manifestation of some weird technology and it's magic. It's kind of like, if you remember the mother brain from Robo's side quest in the first Chrono Trigger, it's, I think it's canonically that on steroids from another timeline. Ah. Uh. But fate creeped you out? 
I, th I thought freight creeped both of us out. I know I didn't like the... When you... Spoilers for an old, old game. When you wake up as Lynx, uh, the world you follow Harl around, and it looks like this weird painting. Yeah. That world kind of made me iffy. I wasn't so cool with that. Ah. I didn't know that. I don't know. It's really weird. I didn't mind it so much. I was too busy going like, whoa, you're Lynx now. Oh, I can use block elements. It's so cool. I didn't say anything like that. No, you didn't. <laughs> uh, but other than those, I am 100% fearless. Oh, did Andros... Uh, what? Did Andros ever creep you out at all? No. We, we didn't play Star Fox when it was the peak of technology... So we had had we had seen better graphics by that point of Andros. I I, I don't know. Don't you think being think lower he, quality kind of makes him look worse? I think and it kind of made him look pretty goofy. Plus, I didn't actually fight the real Andros for a while. So once he lost his skin and it was just a brain, that caught me off guard. That did catch me off guard until he immediately made a pun, which we talked about in the episode. Yeah. I think I actually, I don't know if I ever told you, but what? Sorry, go on ahead. Well, I think I told you this, but I did eventually play the game for 3DS. It might have been close to a year ago now. Really? And I got to Brain Andros on my first try. Hey. So now I'm the pro gamer. How many strategies did you use? Yeah, guides did you use? Okay, admittedly, I... Just four. <laughs> <laughs> admittedly, I knew the secrets to get to the different levels. It's but... a very classic game. Yeah, it's kind of hard to ignore. What's What did you suddenly remember? Uh, Shadowgate 64. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, there's this uh guard in prison that you had to give a violin so that you could sneak past him. And if he catches you... Or, like, he sees you, he just turns around with his arms outstretched, just slowly walks toward you. Also, there's this uh, accessory you can put on in the game called the Ring of the Dead. It allows you to talk to ghosts and stuff, but if you leave it on too long, you die. Ooh. I remember those really freaked us out. Especially the guard. I remember the guard, he mentioned how he could tell you were there, even though he wasn't looking at you or something. Yeah, that's what did it. Yeah, I don't really remember much of that game at all, but I do remember that guy every time you talk about him. Yeah. And now you've reminded me of Castlevania 64. Castlevania 64. The Hedge Maze. Oh, the Hedge Maze. <laughs> with the Frankenstein with the anachronistic chainsaw. We were watching Dad play through that for a really long time. And watching him like finally get to that little garden in the middle that was gated off and just see Frankenstein running around and around you, not able to get in. <laughs> and like, it was just, okay, what do we do? What do we do? What's... I do remember there was a time where a statue started bleeding and that was uncomfortable. But What sucks about Castlevania 64 that I didn't know about until the last time I tried to play it, it locks some of the game behind a higher difficulty. Oh yeah. Some older games do that. Yeah. And it, made me upset so i didn't want to play it again yeah but i was super getting into it it's just a terrible design choice it's more likely to make your player base angry well, than I... want them to try again this is back before games cared about being more accessible this is about hey are you a bad enough dude to kill dracula and i'm like no put me on easy mode and they're like okay you can't kill dracula and i'm like why <laughs> as if i didn't just explain why <laughs> There are a number of creepy things in games that I can admit are creepy, but I don't have a lot of personal attachment to them. Like, Final Fantasy VII, anything to do with Genova and Sephiroth. Whoosh. Yeah. Well, you at least know who Sephiroth is. I know who they are. I don't know much about their relationship to one another. Well, uh... Genova is an alien. So... Yes, this conversation is freaking me out. Good one. Oh no, nerds! <laughs> <laughs> and some of her cells were implanted in fetal Sephiroth, 
and that's why he's so super special, awesome, chocolate-coated, powerful. And Sephiroth is delusional and thinks that he's actually Genova's child. That's their relationship to each other. But anyway, Sephiroth is pretty creepy in Final Fantasy VII, and I'm talking about the original game. I didn't get far enough into the remake. But in the original game, anytime Sephiroth was there... The game made absolutely sure that you knew how powerful and dreadful he was. He'd have ominous He's music. Got that. No, it's one music. No, no, no. Okay. The One-Winged Angel is the final boss theme. They they only played that during that. He has his own actual theme music for most of the game, and it's really ominous. My first run-in with Sephiroth was in Kingdom Hearts 2. Yeah, mine too. It's just I eventually learned what he was from and stuff. I definitely got a good idea of how strong he's supposed to be in his source material <laughs> just from that. I mean, the first time I went to fight him, he wiped the floor with me. I tried a few more times and I was like, screw this. Came back way later at the end of the game after I'd already beaten the boss and hit max level. And I, I sneezed and he died. Well, now you can go fight Terra. Ooh. He's even harder than Sephiroth. In Kingdom Hearts 2? Well, in the in the final mix version. But you... Ooh, the final mix... No, I don't we... have the final mix version. Well, if you get it on, like, the the PS3 or PS4, you can find him there. Bring it to Nintendo, then I'll talk. Next time on episode 600,348 of the BitCast. They finally, they finally did, did it! Did it. One really like cool thing about Sephiroth they do to sell you on his power is to early on in the game you have to cross a swamp on the overworld map and there's a giant snake in the swamp that will catch up to you and initiate an encounter if it catches you and it's really powerful and your best bet is to rent a chocobo which is a giant bird and just dash across the water so you're too fast for it. And as soon as you get to a cave, you see another giant serpent dead and impaled on a giant pointed log, and it's said that Sephiroth did that. Oh, dang. So off screen, he just demolished the monster that you paid good money to avoid. <sighs> what a B-A-M-F. So... That's an example of, like, Sephiroth is, like, very unsettling, but I don't have a personal attachment or anecdote of how creepy he is because we didn't really play that game growing up i know one of my edgy friends growing up couldn't stop fantasizing about him that sounded weird <laughs> yeah it's like uh not like that but he wanted to be him basically <laughs> anything else you have i think that about taps out my memory for now anything in more modern games that kind of make you go Ugh. Uh, Super Mario 35 needs better late game options. If you play carefully, you can just cruise on through. That's not creepy. It's creepy that they decided that they were good enough to have a Battle Royale version of a game that they made so many years ago. Roasted. I played a game called A Hat in Time, and... If anyone listening to this knows anything about the game, they know what level I'm about to describe is. And it's a game that you've played none of. You probably haven't even seen it. A Hat in Time? Yeah. I've heard little things. Well, uh, first of all, it's very good. It fills the... It, it's not really like Banjo at all, but it fills the Banjo hole in my heart. And... Didn't like you Lately, huh? No, I really didn't. That was one of my first episodes, was comparing ukulele with A Hat in Time, I think. Okay. A Hat in Time is very charming platformer, very funny, and silly, whimsical, childish. And by that I mean it captures the feeling of being a child. But then you get this one level in the spooky forest where you have to sneak around and most of your abilities are restricted... And there's this giant shadow woman who just stomps around her own home in the dead of night looking for any intruder to instant kill them. And you have to sneak around and stuff. And the music is very mood appropriate. Hmm. Might have to give that a shot. I know it's on the Switch. Yeah, it is. With all the DLC, too. Well, you have to buy the DLC. But that's more than I can say for the Xbox version. Huh. 
But yeah, that's a very creepy and iconic level from the game. Cool. What about uh, Glover? Did anything from Glover creep us out? Maybe Mr. Patch's laugh. You mean cross-stitch? No, I'm talking about the boss from Banjo-Tooie. Mr. P no, yeah, cross-stitch. Uh, the main hub theme when the kingdom was all wrecked, it was, it was a little uncomfortable hanging around there too much. The red fog. It's kind of deterring. It's just this ominous deathscape, and then you go into the magic well, and it's like... It's like, oh, that's a tone shift. Glover was groovy, <laughs> let me tell you. Yeah, we should do an episode on Glover sometime. Everyone and their brother owns it. Yeah, just, 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 and we'll get Donald Glover to do a guest spot on the podcast. Dude, if we could, that'd be pretty dope. Uh, we never. You, you get Danny Glover. I'm like, who's this chump? I wanted Donald. Uh, I'm trying to think. Ooh, uh, we never played Earthbound, but it, it's kind of obligatory. The final boss. We tried to play Earth. I tried to play Earth. I also tried to play it, but you know, gotta give a shout out to. I never know how to pronounce it. Gigas, Gigas, Gigas. Yeah, Giga Gas. Gigi. Just Dale Gribble it. Gigi. <laughs> Rusty Shackleford, the evil alien that you literally can't comprehend. What is Cthulhu? No, that's the the battle narration is that Ness and his friends can't comprehend the form of the oh, attack. Oh, yeah, because I I get you. Because he's like on a different plane of existence or something. It, he's he has become the abstract concept of evil. That's quite an ascension. Dissension. Well, depends. <laughs> yeah, it's and it's just so tonally different from everything else in the game. Even if the game might have had some Mildly creepy moments. There's always a lot of quirkiness to go along with it. This is just straight up... Oh, creepy. Kept you waiting. <laughs> wow, my snake voice is gone. Oh, the arsenal gear. That was creepy. Yeah, fish and mailed. That almost got me. Yeah, like the, the, the colonel AI just turning into an x-ray of himself... That was always creepy, too. I never liked looking at him. I need a fork, 61, something like that. I need scissors, 61. Yeah. Just cut away to scissors and origami king. <laughs> uh, I One time I had... I don't really want to call it a nightmare, but I closed my eyes, I saw the AI colonel staring at me, and then I opened my eyes back up. I was like, ugh! Yikes. Yeah, because he does weirdly look straight on at the camera. At some points during that scene. And it's just this weird... I, I don't really want to say Uncanny Valley, but just this weird fact that he's saying these complete non-sequiturs while Raiden and ostensibly the player are lost and confused. It just makes everything feel even more detached from reality than they already are. You only got a great director to thank for that. Oh yeah, it's, it's probably my favorite sequence in the whole game, but... The first time I watched you play it, I was like, "Oh, Don't tell me your heart wasn't lit on fire when they managed to survive drowning. Well, that, that, that was more, like, euphoric relief than fear. Okay, gotcha. Oh, there's one thing that I probably wasn't going to mention, but I recently had a creepy dream about it, so I want to talk about it. Sure. Is in Kingdom Hearts 2... Toward the very beginning of the game in the Roxas section, there's the part where time freezes as Axel's ambushing you. Oh, yeah. And Christopher Lee says that you have to go to the mansion. <laughs> and Axel's character model is just frozen in time. You can just go on, leave him behind. And I had a dream where he was just more actively pursuing you as you made your way to the mansion. Because ever since I was a kid and I saw that part of the game, I always worried, is Axel going to just unfreeze at any second and keep fighting you or no he's just chilling now yeah. he can stop but he chooses not to and in, in the cutscene immediately after you leave him alone he does move again so it's it's really weird plus if you go back to that area he's not there anymore 
Like, Axel, what are you doing? He's, he's, he came back. What are you waiting for? Uh, well, really, some good content. What do you think? Yeah, I'm kind of struggling to think of... I, I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of different miscellaneous things that have creeped us out since then, but... Oh, for sure, gotta be. Those are probably all the real big ones that come to mind. But, uh, yeah, good talk. It's nice to kind of go back and think about how we used to react to these things compared to what we think of them now and what still has an effect on us. It's interesting because we saw each other being... uh, Affected? Subjected to these specific events and it's interesting to see how they've affected each other as we grow up yeah they create these little inside stories that we can always call back to like the sniper or like the hedge maze yeah but yeah good times and i i I guess I, i i shouldn't be surprised but i am kind of that a lot of mine are more related to the ambient music of certain moments more than anything else yeah mine are because i'm about to die (laughs) i just think if music can make you happy if it can make you sad then there's no reason it can't make you feel uncomfortable something our dad doesn't seem to wrap his head around ever yeah i can see that oh well thanks for appearing again thanks for having me and uh there's a neat halloweeny type episode uh happy spooktober yeah Uh, maybe maybe sometime i should find some creepy pasta or something see if we can salvage that old tradition or not well uh hit me up anytime during halloween you know september 1st to november 30th (laughs) that's halloween what about the 31st what about oh that's actual halloween yeah in the middle of spooktober look i'll just get you in the middle of march or april again that's when we read isoy like an easter special but inside the easter egg was blood hyper realistic hd blood no and it took me exactly 33 seconds to realize i needed to end my life right then and there so I saved my game. <laughs> <laughs> and then I gave myself a totally non-lethal tracheotomy with my recorder. And then I inserted my soul into the very cartridge that haunted me in the first place, trapping me forever. And Godzilla was there. Oh no, not Godzilla. He's a terrible roommate. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> ten out of ten. Listen to BidCast anytime on podcast1.com and on the Podcast One app.